I'm A.J. Mickle with Mickle Brothers Farm in Damon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Domo. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton conditions on the Texas South Plains and Panhandle are a mixed bag. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Dolmel and I'm your host. I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. By and large, we didn't get a lot of snow in the Texas High Plains last winter. So will El Nino make a difference this go-round? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The annual Texas Cattle Feeders Association Convention addresses issues key to the industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on the convention from Grapevine on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from beautiful East Texas, and this week it's all about the cows with a little deer thrown in the mix. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Weather on the Texas South Plains and Panhandle has impacted this year's cotton crop. Carrie Martin joins us with more. Cotton harvest continues to progress across the state, with the biggest cotton producing area getting started fairly soon. Adam Hickson is an agronomist with BASF. He covers the Southern Plains and the Panhandle. He says there's some good cotton there and there's some bad cotton. You know, our dryland crop, I would say it's it's variable, um, probably mostly in the poor category, unfortunately. Um, so there's a lot of acres of that dryland that just never quite made it just due to the dry conditions and the extreme heat but our irrigated crop i mean there's some fields that look really good um um, and so i think as as we approach harvest here um i'm starting to see you know bowls open down bottom half of the plants uh, on our irrigated cotton and even some fields that have already had harvest aid applications uh occurring Hickson says they've been getting some good rains in that part of the state recently, but that can cause problems at this time of year. Uh, with these recent rainfalls that's ha- that have happened, we probably are going to start to get some regrowth uh, in that cotton, especially in the top part. So you really need to be mindful of uh, making uh, you know an educated decision on what you're going to use for your, your harvest aid here over the next couple of weeks. Hickson says we may see some strippers start rolling in that area in the next couple of weeks, but the majority of the cotton there will be stripped in late October and into November. A pair of lawmakers are working to increase competition in the meat processing industry. Carrie Martin has that story. 
U.S. Senators Michael Bennett of Colorado and Jerry Moran of Kansas introduced legislation to increase competition and capacity in the meat processing industry. It's called the Butcher Block Act, and it would create grant and loan opportunities through USDA to enable small and mid-sized meat processing facilities to expand their operations. Similar legislation has also been introduced in the House. I'm Kerry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Will El Nino mean more snow for the Texas High Plains this winter? James Hunt joins us with that report. Looking back at last winter, the fact is we had very little snow around the Texas High Plains. Amarillo, for example, received just 3.8 inches of snow, about 13 inches below normal. Will El Nino mean more snow this winter? Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo told me, based on past events, an El Nino would seem to increase the chances of higher snow totals. But like trying to predict anything else with an El Nino or a La Nina, it's not exactly a precise science. El Nino and La Nina only has really been studied well since 1950, so that sounds like a big data set, but when you're talking about only 15 occurrences during that time of a moderate to strong El Nino, that's not that many to study. There's a lot of different nuance that we haven't seen. Yeah, it just seems like with all of the things that we discuss with weather patterns, we can't really hear that we're going into this weather pattern and say, so what we should expect, what is going to happen is, it's more, there is a greater probability of. Yeah, exactly. We like to talk a lot about probabilities because the state of the science is just not, is not that good. And there's so much other things that we don't understand that will cause deviations in the pattern. Because El Nino and La Nina, we like to say it's like, you know, it's the most predictable part of an outlook, but it's only maybe 30%, 40% of the equation. And so then you get all these other things and shorter term type things going on in the atmosphere and, and things that can really play havoc with that. So, so we deal with probabilities and we know that La Nina tilts the odds in a certain direction. El Nino tilts the odds in a certain direction. But it, you never can say with much certainty. It's just increasing the probabilities. Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service office in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas cattle feeders met in Grapevine earlier this week. Tom Nicoletti was there, and he joins us with this report. My guest today is Michael Besner. He is chairman of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Uh, he is uh, owner of Besner Beef in Texline in the panhandle of the state. And... Uh, Michael, you uh, recently addressed uh, the Cattle uh, Feeders Association Convention in Grapevine, where about 450 were in attendance. Uh, what was your uh, main message to the group today? Well, our main message for the association is just to continue to move the industry forward, both in uh, producing a safe, sustainable, wholesome product that we can be proud of and that we can uh, have consumers enjoy and demand. Additionally, you know, we've got... Uh, segments in our industry that would uh, prefer the beef industry to go away sometimes, especially in Washington, D.C., and we've got to be vigilant to fight against those things. Yes, you mentioned uh, such uh, issues as uh, accurate uh, food labeling and uh, uh, the issues with uh, the, the fake meat culture, and uh, that is certainly uh, high in your uh, priority list and your associations to uh, make sure that uh, those issues are addressed. 
Absolutely. I think it's critical that we keep our focus on that and make sure that we don't lose our product's identity to uh, fake meat or whatever because of a labeling issue. We were successful in getting the fake bill passed in Austin this year, and we were proud and excited to get that done. I think we're doing a good job of producing a wholesome, safe product, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. That is Michael Besner. He is chairman of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association at the, the organization's annual convention. In Grapevine, I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How is the calf market faring in East Texas? James Duncan has that report. In East Texas, rumors spread faster than a wildfire with a high wind. So every time you hear one, you need to check them out, especially in the cattle marketing sector. The lower prices batted around the uh, coffee tables and the shops, cafes, and the like in the East Texas area were about like a Texas Ranger's tale of trying to lead the pack, but just not closing to right time. I found that the calf market from the producers we're talking about, both steers and heifers, were steady to strong compared to the late summer prices on the quality calves. Now, the softening of the market that they talked about was actually in the evident in the lower classes of calves. It just proves if you got the right brand, the right type, you get the right price at the right time. Now, the slaughter cow market, what is we're concerned with at this time of the year also, was a bit slower. It was a little bit weak, but it's due to the higher inventory on the shelf and the slowness on the consumer purchasing side. Now, this may have been the first six weeks of school syndrome kicking in, more expenditure on school supplies, lower dispendable income on beef, which in many households is a luxury item today. But hey, it'll come back, it'll be back, but it will be early winter and maybe moving into the early spring on those market uh, cattle slaughter cow markets before they really come back because we're now entering into that Thanksgiving period of time where poultry and pork take over the meat counters in uh, the home today. Pastures for cow-calf operators are a topic of discussion also, and right now producers' uh, minds are leaning towards some overseeding. Now, it's going to be an excellent opportunity due to the drought that we had and the overgrazing that resulted causing uh, the growth coming back to be slow in the grass. But when you put those seed out, they're going to be on the ground quicker. You get quicker growth, more growth. And also, we're going to throw a little turnip seed in that ryegrass as we overseed this year to kind of boost along the deer plots that did not work out real well. Prepared seed beds just did not get done properly because the ground's so hard, no moisture to loosen it up. So we just skipped that step and going to go directly to overseeding. That's about the way it shapes up here in East Texas. But it is a beautiful fall so far, and a little more moisture would be appreciated, and we'll probably be getting that here in the near future also. This is James Duncan from East Texas reporting. Texas farmers, ranchers, and forced landowners have until early November to apply for funding through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program for fiscal year 2024. Through EQIP, NRCS Texas works with landowners to develop a conservation plan, outline conservation practices, and activities that can help solve on-farm resource issues. NRCS Texas accepts applications for EQIP year-round. However, to be considered for funding in this next fiscal year, applications must be submitted to an NRCS office by November 8th. Additional details are available on the NRCS website. 
There is no singular explanation for Churchill Downs' deaths. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. During a 30-day period from April to May of this year, 12 horses died at Churchill Downs. The Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority recently released the findings from their investigation. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more. These deaths made worldwide news as Churchill Downs is likely the most famous thoroughbred racing track in the United States. The Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority, or HISA, evaluated the role of Churchill Downs in the deaths, veterinary records of the horses, and any potential rules violations that may have contributed. Despite their extensive investigation, HISA did not find any singular explanation for the deaths. The CEO of HISA, Lisa Lazarus, indicates that we must create a culture of safety and ecosystem of care that takes into account all factors. She goes on to say, Heise's most important mission is to protect the health and well-being of the horses participating in thoroughbred racing. And Heise is making an ambitious recommendation to make sure everyone acts in the best interest of the horse. Heise recommendations include a robust data analysis effort to explore critical questions facing the sport. And the data analysis will be made possible by uniform reporting requirements that will hopefully give insights to the cause of future racetrack deaths. A Blue Ribbon Committee has been appointed to work toward the study and ultimate introduction of more synthetic surface options in thoroughbred racing. They are also recommending improved veterinary screening and diagnostic procedures, including making PET scans more accessible to racetracks across the country, conducting a research study to examine the causes of exercise-associated deaths, and further use of wearable technology as an injury detection tool. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If adopted by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission next month, a proposed statewide carcass disposal rule would give hunters three options to dispose of unused deer carcass parts. 
As we told you on a previous show, the Parks and Wildlife Department says properly disposing of these parts will help reduce the spread of chronic wasting disease. Alan Kane, TPWD's Big Game Program Director, says the rule provides some flexibility for hunters especially those who hunt in a CWD surveillance or containment zone. If you're in a CWD zone and you harvest a deer under the proposal, you'd be able to take a whole carcass out, which currently you can't do that. But under this proposed rule, if it gets adopted, you could take a whole carcass out. So you could take that to the processor or take it to the house and process it as long as you dispose of those parts properly. Before you leave the zone, though, you have to stop by the check station and let us check the deer, which is required by rule and then we could provide instructions. It doesn't change what currently people can do either. So a lot of folks, if they're hunting on the ranch, they can quarter that deer at the ranch and take it back to their house or wherever and then finish the rest of the process. On the proposal, you still need to throw those bones away, whatever's left, leg bones or stuff, in the dumpster or bury it, but you could still quarter it at the ranch. If you're not taking it off the side of harvest, obviously you can do whatever you need to there if that's the final destination. But it really doesn't change for folks that are not taking the carcasses off the ranch. If adopted, the rule would require hunters to dispose of deer through an approved landfill by burying the parts at least three feet deep or by returning the parts to where the deer was harvested. You can comment on the proposal through November 1st on the TPWD website. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Uncertainty and cautious traders led the cattle complex to trade lower for much of the day Wednesday, but both live cattle and feeder cattle ended the day higher. October live cattle up $1.92 to $184.50. December live cattle up $1.97 to $186.97. February live cattle up $1.92 to $191.25. October feeder cattle up $222 to $250.17. November feeder cattle up $1.65 to $252. January feeder cattle up $1.45 to $253.30. 
Boxed beef was lower Wednesday. Choice down $2.29 to $2.9877. Select down $0.35 cents to $2.7580. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Seth Crane, Union Commission, Hondo Livestock, sells them on Monday. Seth, how'd the sale go? 909 head of cattle, a good run of cattle. Cow run had 125. Might have added a little bit of money back to them cows. Those lower yielding shelly cows, anywhere from $0.45 cents up to 61. The higher yielding cows sell them anywhere from 93, 92, all the way up to a dollar eight. Bulls, dollar one to a dollar 21. Bears, uh, 1200 to 1575. And the bred cows from 1110 to 1420. So any of these two to four weight kind of steers, anywhere from 225 all the way up to 288. Uh, two to four weight heifer, you'd sell them from 190 all the way up to 245. Uh, we're really pleased with the sale. Special stocker feeder sale. Want to thank our judges, Richard Santos of Jones Cattle Company and uh, Vince Gillum of the Gillum Ranch. Uh, first place pin of steers brought in. Uh, those cattle were brought in by Mr. Ron Wetz. Uh, there'd be eight head of those good black, black molly face steer weigh 674 off the cow bring 234. That's uh, $1,578. Your first place pin of heifers, uh, they'd be brought in by a G5 cattle, Freddie Graff. Eight head of those black heifers weigh 612 at 211, $1,291. Your second place steers brought in by ENS Farms. Uh, that'd be Mike Sawdall. Five head of those black steers weigh 654 at 223, $1,458. And your second place heifers brought in by the Lagos Ranch. Five head of those black heifers weigh 502 at 218, 1,094 bucks. So still sure a good market. These cattle are dollaring out well. And uh, Larry, we just need some rain, make it better. In the meantime, uh, if we can help you next week, reach us 830-741-8061. Give me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolivestock.com. Seth, thanks for being on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and my program, Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs traded mixed on Wednesday as traders sought fundamental support. October lean hogs up 20 cents to 82.15. December lean hogs down $1.45 to 69.97. Block cheese was steady Wednesday at $1.70. Barrel cheese up 0.75 cents to $1.61. Dryway was up half a cent to 31.5 cents. October class 3 milk down a penny to 16.84 a hundredweight. November class 3 milk down a dime to 17.23 a hundredweight. After trading both sides of even on Wednesday, the cotton market ended lower. December cotton down 40 points to 85.05. March cotton down 57 points to 86.69. May cotton down 65 points to 87.57. Despite harvest pressure, corn traded higher on Wednesday. December corn up two and a half to four eighty-eight. March corn up two and a half to five oh three and three quarters. May corn up two and a half to five eleven and three quarters. USDA reports that thirty-four percent of the U.S. crop has been harvested so far. That is ahead of the five-year average. Fifty-three percent of that crop is rated good to excellent. The wheat market fell on Wednesday on large world stocks and a glut of Russian wheat on the market. December hard red wheat down four to six sixty-seven and a quarter. March hard red wheat down four to six seventy-six and a quarter. May hard red wheat down four and a quarter to six eighty-two. November natural gas even at three thirty-seven. December natural gas even at three sixty-six. 
November crude oil down two dollars and thirteen cents to eighty three eighty four. December crude oil down a dollar seventy one to eighty two forty two. The Dow up one point to thirty three thousand seven hundred and forty. The S and P five hundred up seven to four thousand three hundred and sixty five. And the Nasdaq up fifty eight points to thirteen thousand six hundred and twenty one. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.